0: Yeah, he can remember snowstorms in like April, and that's. I love the cold. I love snow. I like watching snow, but even April is a little too much for me. Like, <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have spring poke its head out eventually.
1: I, I hate watching TV shows where it's got snow in it. It's just uh...
0: really <laughs> TV shows.
1: Oh yeah, you know, some show where they're filming it and it's, they're out in the wilderness or something. And it's snow, and I'm like, I, I, I just.
0: Oh, see, I lo- see. I love watching it. I love not. I love snow. I love to watch it through a window. I don't want to interact in it. I don't snowshoe. I don't snowboard. I have. I don't ice fish. I don't want to shovel it. I don't want to make snowballs. I don't want to really even touch it. I'll go out on a porch maybe, and I'll go out and, and watch it. I don't want to deal with it though, but I like to watch it. It's very odd It's very odd I think what I need is I need like a home In like northern Alaska But I want to be able to walk around In like a bathing suit So maybe just keep it at like 85 With heated floors But I'd love to watch a snowstorm at all times So (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) for me For everybody listening Ken Moffat Back in the saddle For Exodus Volume 3 And with that i will let you take it away sir
1: hey well good uh, good to be here again Tony. i'd like to i don't know if you can see this book but this is uh, one of the primary sources i used okay. it's called uh, studies in exodus moses and the gods of egypt and okay. it's by john davis okay and it's an excellent excellent book um, on this topic and it goes through pretty much what uh, well much more in depth than we've been able to do here but it's an excellent book, so if anybody's interested, uh, "Studies in Exodus: Moses and the Gods of Egypt" by John Davis, I, I'd highly recommend it. Okay, awesome.
0: And you you texted me and you said you wanted to to work through the plagues uh, quickly. Just just full disclosure, Ken. Like we we can do a million Exodus episodes. There's no rush. We don't have to. It's up to oh, you. Well,
1: okay, let's see how it unfolds. Yeah, take um, your time, man. We're on the sixth plague, and um, and the reason I kind of wanted to do that was because the ninth and tenth are um, pretty interesting, and I wanted to get in them, into them a little more detail because up to now, uh, the plagues, uh, one through five, and we'll start with six today, have dealt with, um, well, Pharaoh is affected. There's no reason the way he could not be affected, but the ninth uh, the ninth and tenth plague um, not only affect all of the Egyptians, but are directly shots at him. And I want to take a little extra time for that, but um, that we work our way through it. Yeah. And next week we're not done with these, and then that's fine. We got, um, and then we've got the itinerary, how they actually got to where they're yeah. going, and stuff like that. And and here's another little tease: is that um the actual crossing of the red sea which we'll either get to next week or the following week is not what people for hundreds and hundreds of years have been led to believe there was a mistranslation in in the septuagint and uh for those that don't know the septuagint was the hebrew bible the old testament that was translated into greek um one of the uh, pharaohs, uh, uh, Philadelphia, Ptolemy Philadelphus, who was a descendant of one of uh, Alexander the Great General's son, when Alexander the Great died in 323 BC, his kingdom split up. The only two that are really relevant as far as the Bible is concerned or anything to do with uh, the Jews or Hebrews would have been uh, Ptolemy, General Ptolemy and general seleucid they split up and at this point uh later on obviously uh general ptolemy his son his family got egypt and then they then with the seleucids were constantly battling over who's gonna uh, get uh, israel or palestine at the time well uh, ptolemy Philadelphus had this huge library and it was supposedly one of the the best, if not the best in the world, scrolls of everything supposedly ever written. And he wanted the Hebrew Bible translated into Greek. So he had 70, actually there were 72 scholars, Hebrew scholars came down in Jerusalem and translated into Greek so he could read it, the Hebrew Bible. But there was a mistranslation when they were translating Red Sea, Um it should have been reed R-E-E-D because of the reeds that grew and they mistranslated it into red sea. And real quickly, because if you if you see the uh shape of the Sinai Peninsula, the sea at the time that goes up what is now the Suez, and the other one was the Gulf of Aqaba. Uh, both of them were called the Red Sea. They, They didn't differentiate the names. That was hundreds and hundreds of years later. So when they made the translation, they said Red Sea instead of Reed Sea. And this is an interesting, interesting point. And the reason that it's interesting and it's very valid is because for hundreds of years, they have assumed that they crossed the Red Sea when they didn't. They cross the Reed Sea, which is much further north uh, than where we're now, or that time the Gulf of Suez would have been. So, and we'll get into that because it throws a whole itinerary to the north what is um in modern day they call it the negev the southern part of israel that, that that desert area in the southern part of israel that's where they went they never went down to the southern tip of Sinai. Um, and i'm not going to spoil it for everybody but it's a fascinating fascinating study
0: that is that's a weird kind of like a fork in the road of uh you can maybe even say power. I mean, if you had the if you were the one translating the Bible, that is I mean, talk about like butterfly effect. I mean, you you'd change one word. How does that affect down the millennia?
1: Well, it has. Um, And and, and we'll get into that. um, Because it's it's thrown the whole question of well, it did the exodus really occur? Ah, uh, because there's no archaeological evidence for it where they they think it was, and by what they, by they I mean past historians and stuff like that. and And to be fair, though, they did not have the technology that we have today. I mean, we were able to pretty well pinpoint where this Reed Sea is uh, because of NASA satellite photos and well, and we can go back and say thanks to the uh, Six Day War between Israel and Egypt because the CIA satellites were taking photographs of all the Egyptian movements and so on, so passing them on to the Israelis. And, but in the the course of doing this, they were able to locate these um, uh, ancient dried up uh, lake beds, and which are now dry because of the because Suez Canal being created, and this is where. Even in uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics, they're referred to as reed, c, that's, that's
0: that's kind of crazy how that's what that's what unlocked it was cia satellites
1: yeah and then what what happened was the archaeological advancements with uh ground penetrating radar and all of the different things that they're able to use to locate um these different things um it is just phenomenal what has transpired as a result of that um so but we'll get into that and and that's perhaps my favorite part of it because it's it's proving if you follow the the itinerary of scripture as a road map you'll get to the point you want to be it's kind of like somebody hands you a map and you say well i don't want to go this direction i want to go another direction but this is a direction you need to go to get to where you want to go yeah if you just follow it you'll you'll get there yeah but this doesn't follow my agenda so i'm going to go this way okay it, go back and yeah, you'll be
0: wrong it's like you can see the skyline of the city and the highway is pointing you that way just stay on the highway you will end up at the city it's just it's it's a little curvy it's a little topsy-turvy you will get there
1: yeah that's exactly, that's exactly correct yeah
0: that's exactly correct <laughs> All right, let's jump in. So here
1: we are at uh, <laughs> the sixth plague, which was the plague of boils, uh, and this is found in Exodus chapter nine, verses eight through eleven. And one of the interesting things about this is that um, God tells Moses to to go to go to one of these furnaces. I want you to do it in plain view of Pharaoh. I want you to take some ashes and throw them into the air. And the the notion here is that as Pharaoh is watching these ashes fall. It's kind of like as the Israelis, uh, Israelites, eventually got into the desert, you know, manna. Only in this case, the ashes are going to create these boils. And Pharaoh is seeing all of this transpire. And we need to remember that all of the um, plagues that Pharaoh saw, he either was told they're going to happen or he saw at the exact time, such as the blood and the frogs and so on. God told him through Moses, this is what's going to happen so he knew in advance it wasn't some secret behind the back thing and god wanted him to see that this is my my servant my man my 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 prophet moses he is doing this at my command and every single thing he did this but the another interesting thing about this is that the priest once again who were supposedly above the fray of all this um they were affected by this too and they couldn't again with some of the other things that happened to them when they were uh the vermin with the lice and so on and so forth they couldn't even go into their temples to uh to pray to their their various deities to put a halt to this because they were not pure they were not clean and as a result of this they continued on which shows that they were powerless too as well as their deities um So all of these things are, again, directly pointing at the various gods of Egypt, the 80 to 100 chief deities and about the 1,500 of their various sub-gods and so on and so forth, the village gods. But one of the, the main gods that this affected directly was Imanhotep who was the the god of medicine and then you had Thor t-h-o-t-h he was an ibis-headed god of intelligence and medical learning Um, the god of healing nefertum was affected Isis another figure who was part of the Egyptian trinity she was affected by this. So all of these boils and, and various uh, infirmities that were um, delivered upon the Egyptian people, the priests, and so on. Another direct shot at some of the uh, class A um, Egyptian gods, if you will. And who's sitting back affected by all this? Pharaoh, the incarnation of Ra. Mm-hmm chief the chief god and he could not do a thing about it which once again shows he was powerless mm-hmm. absolutely powerless
0: mm-hmm. uh neil neil degrasse tyson said in his book uh, accessory to war um how i forget what the exact example was but how some european explorers landed somewhere in south america and they wanted um they landed and they wanted to like resupply. So they told all the indigenous people basically to like give us like food, water and stuff. And they were like, we like, we're not going to. And the uh, the travelers, the European travelers, they had an astronomer with them who knew that there was going to be a lunar eclipse in like three days. And the indigenous people didn't know They I mean, they were like tribes. And the so the 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 European the captain of the ship is like um, in three days my God will blot out the moon. And if uh, you still don't believe me, then then I will have him like basically destroy you and your people. And like, their like, King was like, we're not giving you anything. And three days later, you know, there's a solar ec- or a lunar eclipse, and they filled up their ship and they're, you know, praising and praising and praising. But it's again, it was this sort of way to make them look impotent with with, with whatever yeah. it's and it's you kind of use that to demoralize the people. It's like I can shift celestial bodies. You should give me some food and water. Yeah.
1: Well, this goes right back to um, what God told Moses about I'm an uh, I'm an Hotep the second. Once again, this is Moses's cousin that he's dealing with. <clears throat> that his, he's going to use his arrogance, his hubris against him. And you have to stop and wonder: um all of these poor Egyptians are seeing all of this, and for centuries and centuries and centuries. They have uh, been worshiping these gods, and um, the, these gods did absolutely nothing because they're not real gods. They're just uh, stick figures, if you will, hieroglyphics on a wall on a temple, Egyptian temple. And all of these things that these gods were designed to protect them from are coming to fruition. And these gods are absolutely powerless to do anything about it. So you have to wonder. Uh, and, and scripture addresses this, that the average Egyptian, when they see this, they're wondering, maybe that Hebrew God is the true God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: because look what he's doing to you know, look what he's doing to um, our gods. they are impotent, as you say, they're powerless. Um, and he, all of the different gods that they invoke still, are Not able to correct the situation, they're not able to combat it because uh, this is a war. I'm mm-hmm. an Hotep the second, he's the one that declared the war by refusing to let the Hebrew slaves go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah,
0: when they're the God is acting with impunity,
1: mm, yeah, yeah. What, what are the people going to do to Pharaoh? Yeah, absolutely nothing. What can they do? Yeah, um. But they're the ones that are suffering the worst for it because as we said, <clears throat> the elite in situations like this are always taken care of. You could but,
0: uh, yeah again, I think we used the analogy last week with COVID, right? It's like you know, the senators, they're fine. They're fine. It's it's everyone else that's getting screwed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're they're always going to get theirs, um, and the 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 priests and the magicians were so horribly affected by this that they were not even able to stand up to do their things because they had boils from their heads to their feet. They were just uh, you can just imagine the pain they were going through, kind of like uh, when the Bible describes what Job went through with all of his infirmities, his boils, and so on. That they're probably thinking in their mind, you know what, Pharaoh? Just let these guys go. Just let it go. Yeah,
0: I'm Don't on. I'm on my last. Like I'm on fumes right now.
1: Like, yeah. yeah, you're not gonna win this. Yeah, just, <laughs> there's no point in prolonging the suffering because yeah. just, just just you're not on, gonna win take
0: this. it on the chin.
1: Like yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you really cared about your people, you would. Yeah. Uh, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you, you use the analogy of um, those explorers going into um, Africa. You know, in the waning days of World War II, when um, Hitler's uh, generals and everything, they knew it was over. And none of them wanted to say, uh, it's over. It's over, yeah. Did not, but, but none of them did. They, they knew what would happen to them. You know, they had a piano wire hanging out of a barn ready for them mm-hmm. if they... Uh, Mm -hmm. anything and um hitler and pharaoh pretty much the same i don't want to hear the bad news i can see what's going on i know the russians are just right outside of berlin i know the americans are on the rhine i got all that but what do we need to do to win we can't win and and this is what his people are telling him one of the interesting verses uh, i actually had pulled up of my um phone went off, um, is in Hebrews, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 10, verse seven, where his people, the court, his officials actually tell him, it's over. Yeah, We are not going to win this. And they say, how long will you allow this man to snare us? Do you not know that Egypt is ruined? It's, a, it's done, Pharaoh, let him go. He wouldn't do it. He would not do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And they said that right after the, um, the uh,
1: locust plague, which we're going to get to in a second, but it fits into all this, That the drip, 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 drip. And as we said at the outset, this was not like seven or ten days or two weeks. This, these plagues uh, probably took anywhere from seven to eight, nine months perhaps, because we see that the various different types of grain that grew during this season – that was destroyed. The other grain that grew in this season, later on the facts the flax and so on and so forth. So this was a protracted period of time. And all the while, Pharaoh's having to see all this. Mm. And he, I mean, his mind had just absolutely had to be racing. What do I need to do to combat this? And there comes to the point where scripture doesn't say, except when we come down to the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, that Pharaoh finally relents. Uh, because he sees that um, it it is, in fact, over,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: point going on.
0: Yeah, 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 it's that slow psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah. Wear them
1: down. So the seventh plague is the plague of hail. And and what's unusual about this is that Egypt, um, well, let me back up real quickly millennia ago, before there even was an Egypt, um, the, the Northern Sinai, I'm sorry, the Northern Sahara, that region was actually a savanna. And there were the archeologists and geologists have found ancient lakes. They have found where elephants and fish and rivers and streams and so on. So this is thousands and thousands of years before climate change, you know, um, global warming or global cooling, whatever we want to call it to fit the political agenda, that's what this was. But now Egypt is a desert and it it is a warm climate and what uh, sustained them was the Nile River. So we know at one point they had normal rainfall because that's where the elephants and other animals live. They found the elephant carcasses and the the bones and so on and so forth. But now uh, Egypt probably gets about two inches of rain a year. They may have seen hail, but not to the extent that they're getting ready to see it. Remember all of these plagues were increased um, dramatically. These were nothing new that they hadn't seen, but now they are increased to the point where they're just devastated by each one of them. And they had to take notice of this. So here come these plagues and, and the plague of hail uh, is not only the hail, but it's accompanied by fire. And again, what was not the crops that were not destroyed with other plagues, other plagues, the hail wipes them out and the locusts are gonna finish them off here in a few minutes. But this would have been a plague that the sky god, uh Newt, N-U-T, um, should have been able to um, destroy or end. But once again, their chief god, Nut is uh, not able to do it. And it wasn't the only Egyptian god. Uh, the god Shu, S-H-U, was the god of air and the bearer of heaven. Why didn't he stop this? Because there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. These are human man-made gods. Um, Seth, god of storms, protector of crops, neighbor god of grain crops and again osiris osiris is really taking it on the chin here she's getting hit for a lot of things because she overarching she was involved in so many various things (laughs) she's the ruler of life and vegetation and she can't stop it
0: she's the yeah she's the ceo that has to take the flack for something that one of her underlings did right
1: that's right that's
0: right that's a that's tim cook of apple having a be responsible for what happened at a, an assembly plant in China, right? Yeah. Just gotta yeah. tell you, it comes with the job.
1: Yeah, yeah. who's, who's the little Chinaman that I have to yeah. fire for? Them? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, you got to go out and take it.
1: Um, and you know, the 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 accumulative effect of all of these plagues, it wasn't like they had a plague and then they recovered, had another plague, had recovered. I mean, these are just boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, and they never had time to recover. Um, they had already lost their fish, uh, which was a main staple of the diet of the average Egyptian. Once again, the priest did not eat fish because they were considered unclean. And the priest had to remain their purity before they could go into the temple mm-hmm. to pray to various gods who were ineffective. Um, killed up the livestock, which meant there goes meat, there goes milk. Um The flax, again, much of their um, clothing was made out of this linen. And Egypt today is still known for some of their fine linen. So now they've lost all of this stuff. And there's not a thing in the world they can do about it. But one of the other interesting things about this is here again, Ra, Pharaoh, when are you going to step in and do something about this? He can't. Now, the flax that was mentioned, and I think that this is one of the interesting things that, that we kind of overlook on this, is that Egypt was known as throughout the Mediterranean as the bread basket. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that um, Joseph's brothers went down there. Abraham went down there and um, other people from other nations, other regions went down there during a, a uh, famine because the Nile was continually refurbishing and so on. And they would fill up their sacks and, you know, they'd get the, the wheat and the barley and the spelt and all these other things. They would get flax for uh, the fiber to make clothing and stuff. So here you have these um, trade is now affected and it's not just affected between various regions of Egypt, it's other countries to the caravans that are coming down to, to get these goods and to trade with Egypt. We'll take this back. You get goods that you may not have here, just like international trade today. And we're gonna look in that a little bit deeper um, if we get to that today, um, because it, play, it plays, a, plays a very important part in the overall scheme of things at, in God getting this message out. This is not just um, a localized thing that mm-hmm. and we'll see that shortly, but um, so the the accumulative effect, the food, clothing, uh the demoralization the psychological warfare as we have we've talked about um with the average Egyptian trying to figure out how do I worship a God that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. or how can I count on this God when I I keep calling on these gods and nothing happens Mm -hmm. and you've got all these crossover gods okay you're not doing it how about the other God He's not working, how about this one? And once again, where's Osiris? Isn't she in charge of all this? Mm -hmm. Where's Ra? Where's the Pharaoh? The incarnation of the sun God, our chief God. Why is he not stopping all of this? Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, did the average Egyptian begin to, uh, we know that the priest did because back in the third plague, they had mentioned, they told Pharaoh, they said, this is the finger of God. There's nothing we can do about it. But at that point, Pharaoh, if you if you believed in, in your priest, if you believed in your magicians, step back and think, OK, maybe I should cut my losses. But the arrogance plays in mm-hmm. after you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we go to the eighth plague, <clears throat> the plague of locusts and um, the, the locusts again, they come in and they wipe out everything that hasn't already been destroyed. And it's at this point in exodus chapter 10 verse 6 and 7 that the officials as i mentioned a minute, moment ago realize that the game is over and they go to pharaoh and they tell him that pharaoh has been ruined and it it kind of reminds me of and i'm sure you've seen the the picture the the film and I, and most of the people viewing this probably have the hunt for red october
0: mm-hmm.
1: where the russian uh submarine captain because of his arrogance is going to prove that he is better than uh, sean connery's character or whatever in the world and he's going to sink this american submarine and he launches the torpedo and they maneuver and so on and as the submarine, as the torpedo is headed back towards the his own russian sub one of his officers they realize what has happened and he and he says to him you arrogant fool you killed us all mm-hmm. well this is what's happening here pharaoh's officials realize that because of his arrogance and his refusal to let these guys go let the hebrews go you destroyed this country the uh, nation that your father topmost the third gave you the most powerful nation in the world at the time has been destroyed because of your arrogance mm-hmm. and i think it, it goes back to the beginning of all of this, when God tells Moses essentially that I will harden his heart. Now, God is not making um Amenhotep II do anything that his heart is not already predisposed to do. Mm-hmm. He's arrogant, and I'm not listening to this God that I can't even see. You know, I don't see a God. Of. What are you talking about? And Moses, okay, I'll show you. And he never, never relents. Never relents. So now we have the plague of the locusts, and they have destroyed everything <laughs> that hasn't already been destroyed or what's left. You know, there's no leaves on the trees. There's, there's nothing. Um, and here again, we see the gods, um, the, the chief agricultural god, poor Cyrus. I mean, she is really, really getting it. Um, Isis, Seth, and Nupur, all of these gods of the air are still powerless to stop even the locusts coming through. Um, The devastated fields that are um, battered by hail, burned by fire, now stripped bare by locusts, they all point to the impotence of the Egyptian gods. They cannot stop this. Um, it's. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, he's a retired minister. Actually, uh, we were in the army together. and uh, He became an army chaplain, and he spent like thirty years uh, after he got out of the military police. He went into uh, the chaplaincy, and we were talking about this. And one of the things that that he mentioned was the fact that um, it's difficult after the average Israeli to see this. The, the average Hebrew, they cross into the wilderness after fleeing Egypt. And they me- immediately begin to grumble uh, and complain about this and complain about that. And God actually describes them as stiff necked people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, okay, God, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And, um, but here, here we see um, all of this happening and the, and the Hebrews are witnessing every single one of these plagues They are knowing, they know what's going on. So this is not done uh, behind anybody's back. This is a full view of the Egyptian people, of the Hebrews, of Pharaoh, of his court, of the priests, of everybody. And if these gods were gods, they would see it happening too, which uh, you have to ask the question. If these gods were real,
0: Are they there, yeah.
1: Why why can't you stop it?
0: Yeah right. I mean, again, you can go back to you can go back to <clears throat> you can go back to Nazi Germany, right? Who truly believed that they they were brainwashed to think that they truly were the uber mentioned. They were superior. So not only are these Allied bombers destroying their cities like Dresden, but it's also like how are these inferior. Brits and Frenchmen and Americans, they, and they have black soldiers. What is this? And, and like and we can't stop them. It's so where are our guys? Why aren't they stopping this? And it's like at a certain point, it's almost like uh, it's almost like when you go to uh, I don't know, maybe it's like collect the gold that your dollars backed by and you realize it's not there. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like we've been hearing the propaganda that we are the Uber mentioned. We are the elite. We are the master race. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter what the radio is saying when you're watching. You know, American GIs just bulldoze through the town. At a certain point, it looks like a duck. T- you know, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, and the Nazis are telling you that's a horse. Eventually, you're like, I don't think so, man. But it's that's there's no greater way to to prove a point than to show them there's, you know, again, Japan, you know, the our god or our emperor is a god. And it's like, but then the US drops like a mini star on your country twice. At a certain point, no amount of propaganda can can erase what they're seeing with their eyes and ears.
1: That's it, it, an interesting point about the propaganda, because that's what the, the, the various reliefs and the hieroglyphics were, that the uh, pharaohs would use them as propaganda. That was common in the ancient world that the ancient emperors and so on uh, of these various nations, whether it was Assyria, later Babylon, pick, pick an ancient country, that's what they would do. They'd have these reliefs, hieroglyphics carved into their tombs, their monuments and so on. But one of the other interesting things about that as propaganda was that they would put it into the temples and it was a way of telling these various gods that uh, Pharaoh Amenhotep II, look what he did, or the III, look at all of these great things he did, but they're just carved into stone. And and the average Egyptian may or may not have been able to do that. So, but the propaganda went out that look what your Pharaoh did. He conquered this, he conquered that and so on. And that was the the, main reason for these being done, in addition to keeping a record, because the ancient Egyptians believed that if your name was eradicated, then you never existed. And if, if you were a Pharaoh, and somehow as, as um, they tried to do with Moses's stepmother, Hatshepsut, um, to eradicate her name from all of her monuments, um, everything, because she didn't exist and once again why didn't they want to admit that she didn't exist because well perhaps she was a female we can't have a female pharaoh even though she was an effective pharaoh for many many years but she's the one that brought this little hebrew baby out of the nile and here he is the one that's causing all these plagues to come down on us Mm And then they later on tried to eradicate everything. And if you go back and you look at some of the documentaries done uh, about this period, Tutmosis III, um, Hatshepsut, and Amenhotep II, they will try. They're trying to figure out, okay, which one was it that actually went through and tried to obliterate her name? Because once again, if the name's obliterated in the eyes of ancient Egypt, you never existed out-of-sight, out of kind of like what we're doing today in the United States. Let's
0: say a little 1984-ish, right? Or yeah. 2021-ish, right? They're removing, they removed Donald Trump from Home Alone, and they replaced him with a CGI character of someone else. If that's not, but yeah, right? It's you're trying to, right, remove the past. Get rid of these statues? Mm-hmm. It's, there's, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. And it's also, um, I was gonna say, there's no way that like, so with like the Egyptian like propaganda, there's up until then it was believable because if the Egyptian propaganda just says, uh, our God created the earth and the sun and the air and the water, and they just say it, and there it is carved in a stone. Well, here you are, and there's a sun and air and water, and well, I guess it is. Okay, you're right. But now it's again it's being put to the test. So here comes these plagues, and it's like, well, how, can you guys just can you stop this real quick? And we're not doing that well it starts to unravel everything you're like did they really create the water did they really you know it's again it's it's it seems like it was the original psychological warfare
1: well it 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 was that and um the the average i think the average egyptian he got it a long time before the pharaoh did um simply because He was the one that was no longer gonna be able to eat the fish. Um, He didn't have any grain. He didn't have any flax for his clothing. How was he going to trade to make a living? and so on, so he was the one that was affected by it a whole lot more than um, the Pharaoh was. You know, an interesting point about that, we can real quick quickly jump into um, the New Testament when the apostle Paul is up in Ephesus and he sees this magnificent temple uh, dedicated to the God of uh, Artemis. And they had all these little mini silversmiths were making all these mini statues of artemis and the apostle paul was able to point out that these are just man-made gods they are not real many people began to believe paul converted to christianity which caused an economic effect on these silversmiths so what did the silversmith do they tried to have paul killed Mm -hmm. you know we, we don't like the message kill the messenger and so here you are um all of our gods are impotent so what do we need to do? How do we get rid of this Pharaoh? You can't do anything about it, but it's affecting me economically. So what are you going to do for me? Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, so
0: yeah, again, it's the loose string on the sweater is being tugged and the whole thing's unraveling, right?
1: The train has left the station, Pharaoh.
0: Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, but just like Japan or just like Hitler, if you don't unconditionally surrender, like the beatings will continue, or the beatings will go on, the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? It's like, <laughs> right? You're not surrendering, Hirohito? Send out the bombers again, like LeMay is chomping at the bit. You know, it's just keep it going. It's gonna keep going, and it's not gonna be fun for you or me, but it's gonna keep going. We've got these nifty new A-bombs.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting you mention that, because you would think that after um, Doolittle's raid, that they would've got the message that as as Yamamoto said, that sleeping giant we awakened, sleeping giant, and he can now hit us. Um, maybe we should really step back and take a look at this. Um, we haven't gone so far yet that there's um, we can't turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah, but again, but, but in Japan's case, uh, I know it's a little bit far afield, but Tojo, the war minister. Mm-hmm. He was all in and it's yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not the god over here that's gonna take the hit on this. Yeah. I'm just going what Harry, you know tells me to do, but we know in reality Tojo is running the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. But with those fanatics who often have that, where it's like right, with Tojo or you could um who was it? Um Bormon. Was it Bormon? Whoever it's like these these higher ups in the inner circle they're fanatics but it's again it's because they don't have to bear the brunt like whereas we might say hey man they were faithful to hitler to the end the reality is is they were faithful because they were going to send other men to die like they still didn't have to do anything it doesn't really take a whole lot to be like fight to the end when you're not the one fighting to the end right when a lot of them were saying fight to the end and then they were saying like Okay, we're going to, you know, we're putting in a lot of them would put on like glasses, shave their beards, and like, okay, now we're going to escape on a train to Switzerland. <laughs> and it's like, it's very easy to, to be a fanatic or a, an ideologue when to define yourself as such only requires you to say, 10,000 men, go fight to the death. You're not oh. the one picking up the rifle. You're, you're, a lot of them slipped out, right? So it's, yeah.
1: And, and uh, once again, Pharaoh's affected by this, but the average Egyptian uh, was taking the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. But that brings us to the ninth plague. And and the last two plagues, uh, as I indicated, are are, uh, particularly of interest to me because they they affect Egypt as a whole, but they're directly shots at Pharaoh, in my opinion. Uh, The ninth plague, is the plague of darkness. And that's found in Exodus chapter 10, uh, verses 21 through 23. And I'm I'm gonna read this because it's important. I know that I haven't read a lot of the verses pertaining to the various plagues, but this is um, in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven, that they may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness, which may even be felt so Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did they rise from their place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Remember God had said back after the after the third plague, I believe it was that, okay, from this point on, none of these plagues are gonna affect the children of Israel living in the land of Goshen. You guys are gonna take the hit on this, but my children, my guys, the children of Israel, they're gonna be free from it. They're gonna get a pass on this. Now, imagine that the world as you know it suddenly goes so dark, you can't see anything. And I don't know if anybody out there has been in a position to where it has been that dark, if you've ever been in a cave and so on and so forth. Um, but it, it's something to behold. Uh, I've been in, you know, explored caves and things like this. You can't see members of your family, you can't see anything in your house, the stools, the bed, nothing. You cannot see anything, you're bumping into all this. Your entire world has gone dark, it's gone black. And the darkness is palpable, you can almost touch it. Scripture says that you can feel it. And you can feel it pressing in on you because you're, and at this point, you have gotta be afraid. This goes on day after day. Egypt is a country that sees about 365 days of sunlight per year, but for the people that are used to that, and all of a sudden what you see is darkness today, darkness tonight, darkness the next day, darkness the next night, darkness the next day, darkness the next night. This had to be terrifying for them. And the plague of darkness was a judgment on Egypt, Egypt's religion and its culture in general. Of all of the gods of Egypt, none were worshipped more than the sun god Ra. The sun god, variously known as Ra, Re, Atum, Aten, had become identified with the supreme god Amun. Amun or Amen, however they wanted to pronounce it, Amun Ra was thus considered the greatest god of Egypt, and who was the incarnation, Fair. fair, yeah and he was viewed as the creator, the giver of life, who flooded the land with all this brilliant sunshine that helped our crops grow and our lives are comfortable down here. Now, one of the interesting things is um, when you look at the breakdown of the various names of Ra, Amun-Ra, Re, however they're they're gonna pronounce it, uh, many of the pharaohs incorporated into their their names uh, of that chief god, for instance, Ra'amses, Pharaoh Ramses, Ramses who's going to come along in about 200 years. Uh, his name, Ra'amses, means to be drawn forth of Ra. Um, Amenhotep, Amenhotep, the one that Moses is dealing with, his name, his name means uh, Amun is pleased. And here's one that, that everybody's going to love Tutankhamun, better known as King Tut. Yeah. His name means the living image of of Amun. So the next time somebody says uh, King Tut, his name is uh, Tutankhamun, which incorporates that Amun in there. But in the darkness, again, Amun-Ra, the most powerful God was what? He's not to be seen. He's not in the ballpark here. Elvis has left the building and Amun-Ra is with him. And so not only were all of Egypt's other gods and goddesses powerless, but the greatest and the most important God, Amun-Ra, Pharaoh was just as powerless and useless to help them. Again, the the Egyptian gods had failed. And this goes back to something we've reiterated time and again. You can look at our own culture, um, the breakdown of our own cultures. Some people say that we're in a civil war in a cultural war. And um, I believe with all my heart that we are. And why is that? Because the American population, the world population has decided that they're going to worship all of these other gods, whether they're athletes, whether they're singers, entertainers, whether they're industrialists or whatever, they are going to become our God. We don't need Yahweh. We don't need Jehovah. We don't need the God of the Bible because he, doesn't give us what we think we want. But in reality, when we look at exactly what he did for the Hebrews, he gave them everything that they needed and sometimes what they wanted, but he knows best what we need before we even need it. And um, it, it's just a powerful look at why we choose to follow these fake gods because. They deliver something, and if they don't deliver it, so what? Yeah.
0: You
1: know, I'd rather follow the celebrity because that celebrity's cool. You see how many um, uh, how many people follow such and such on Twitter, or how many friends do I have on Facebook? You know, I've got I'm, I'm a celebrity, and I've got fifty thousand or a hundred thousand people following my every word, even though most of them are just absolutely bumbling idiots. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> you know they just parrot what somebody else says yeah yeah uh i think
0: yeah i think it was i think it was bill hicks the comedian who was like we follow these famous people and he's like "But they have the iqs of a lobotomized rock
1: (laughs) he's giving them too much credit
0: yeah yeah
1: um, but you know, we, we had discussed um, the Egyptian concept of Ma'at, um, uh, but here we see that Ma'at, Pharaoh is supposed to hold all of this together, but God is deconstructing Israel, uh, Egyptian society. He's throwing it into absolute chaos. And once again, the Egyptian God of Ma'at control, is battling the God of chaos, Set. And these two gods are battling to each other. But in reality, they don't exist. Mm -hmm. God against Pharaoh and God against the Egyptian gods. And it's no contest because they don't exist. But in the mind of the Egyptians and Pharaoh, they do exist. And what God has got to do is prove to them, and and he does um, very forcefully, that those gods that you believe in, they're non-existent. Mm -hmm. and you you better wake up before it's too late pharaoh Mm -hmm. so uh with all of his hubris amahotep has now met the god of the hebrews and if you remember what uh, what we read back in exodus chapter five verse one and two when we started this study when moses went to pharaoh he said this is what the lord god of israel says let my people go what was pharaoh's response who is this god that i should obey him I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And at this point, Moses is probably thinking, Well, Pharaoh, my young cousin, meet Yahweh, mm-hmm. God of the Hebrews. Yeah. And uh, you're not gonna like the next one, the next plague that comes your way, you're really not gonna like it because it's gonna hit you personally yeah. hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Should we save that for next week?
1: we can certainly do that.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to start it and then have to finish it quickly. I'd rather not. I'd rather not rush it. Because that's, and,
1: and, and that's fine. Um, it was another little tease uh, about this. Um, this is one that a lot of people a lot of so called archaeologists, and Egyptologists, depending on where you are, whether it's the liberal side or the conservative side, struggle with because they can't realize that what God says about the firstborn child, that includes Pharaoh. And one of the interesting things I did a lot of research on this, they and I'll say that but it's because we'll get into it And to, next week, we'll probably just probably spend most of the time just doing the 10th the plague, uh, the death of the firstborn. But this is going to hit Pharaoh to the point where he just, I give up. Yeah, I give up.
0: Yeah, it's the unconditional surrender.
1: But then he changes his mind. Then he
0: changes his mind. It'd be like a, yeah, it'd be like if Hirohito surrendered and then tried to attack him. But even Hirohito wasn't that dumb.
1: Yeah, he, he sends uh, the kamikazes. Uh, yeah, what's the, the ship
0: where they signed the the Missouri, the Missouri. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. If, it'd be if he tried to kamikaze the Missouri. Yeah,
1: the in Missouri. his own harbor.
0: Yeah, man, it's you would we would rain down. I mean, yeah, there would be they
1: would in japan would still be smoking
0: it would still be it would still be irradiated but even but point is, is even hirohito wasn't that dumb no it takes true hubris
1: the, the, there comes a point um you know and we can look at our own history um even Robert E. Lee realized when it was over. There were many in the South that wanted to continue on, um, but Robert E. Lee, he realized that we can't fight against the industrial might of the North. And, um, you know, the interesting thing, and I know this is kind of far afield, but if you're watching this, you probably like history. One of the interesting things about the American Civil War is that the South had all the talent. Mm Um, the the leadership of the South uh, were some of the instructors at West Point. They were West Point generals. Yeah. they had uh, been involved with the uh, Mexican American War with uh, General. De- well, that oh. that way later. We're uh, at eighteen forty eight.
0: Oh, I was uh, thinking early. Never mind. Yeah, sorry. Go on
1: and and all of these generals uh had were lieutenants and captains and majors that had developed their skills uh, in, the, in the mexican-american war are now generals in the south but they didn't have the industrial might that the north did and they could not keep up with it if you can use Uh, this term, and I think it's accurate, the technology that the North was developing. Mm -hmm. developing The railway system in the North, which allowed them to move supplies and uh, other materials and weapons and men, et cetera, et cetera, a whole lot quicker than the South could because they just didn't have the railway system. And the industrial capability of the North um, just couldn't be matched by the South. And, And that's what we're dealing with here is that God is the North. And Pharaoh is the South. He cannot match the capabilities of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To be continued.
1: To be continued. Ken Moffat. Oh, he's a pleasure,
0: sir. Professor Ken. Dr. (laughs) Moffat. Dean Ken. Dean Ken. Dean. You'd be the dean or the principal.
1: That's right. (laughs) That's right. You guys do your homework.
0: (laughs) Do the homework and tune in next week. Ken, as always, it's a pleasure, and it's, I thoroughly enjoy, I normally have to do, like, all the talking. I thoroughly enjoy, I get to be the student, and I actually, I've come to look forward to it. I appreciate that. I'm being sincere. It's As I say to everyone, I don't have any, I don't have anyone on the podcast I don't want to have on. It's a one-man show. I have no, I don't have any board of directors, like, we'd really like to see some more. Ken, it's, i am i am hirohito i am the emperor i give the thumbs up or the thumbs down so if i have you back on it's because i enjoy it but I, I i do enjoy uh get to switch roles and i get to as i said professor professor ken i get to sit
1: back consider this sort of like your sunday bible class yeah
0: yeah it's, <laughs> it's yeah it's uh i did two podcasts i did one this morning and i did one after and it's you know, you you have you have to guide that you have to guide those. You can't let there be any dead air. You have to. Uh, I've come to look forward to this because it's. I sit back a little more, and I'm
1: like. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Tommy. I'm really getting. I've had a lot of people ask me, "How do I get in touch with Tommy? How do I get in touch with Tommy?" Uh, I'm serious, and um, I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll have him send me his contact. Uh, unless you want me to give your contact information to them."
0: Yeah, see, give him my give me email. Okay.
1: Give him my email but when we we finally get into the uh, itinerary of actually where they went and according to the bible not according to some of these half-baked archaeologists yeah. um, that's fascinating and then if you're thoroughly not thrilled with um i, I mean you're not thoroughly not uh, fed up with me um i would love to come back after we're done with all this and do the trial of jesus from an actual historical hebrew Perspective, Jewish perspective as the violation of Jewish law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I did a in depth study on that and I actually taught a class on that. And I learned so much that I was able to impart. And the best part is when you get the feedback that I, I never knew that. I never knew any of that. So hopefully uh, I don't, you're, you're I don't coming see, back.
0: I don't see a reason why not. Excellent. Again, okay. I, I am Hirohito. <laughs> If I want to have on Ken every Sunday, I'll do it. And if someone doesn't like it, again, then feed them to the lions. Get off my podcast then. It's, it's As long as I'm entertained, I'm going to keep having you on, Ken. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful Sunday. 5 p.m. on the nose. Beautiful. All right, Ken, I'll text you when this one's up. I got two more to upload before it, so this one will probably be up. To, that probably, works for me. Probably this time tomorrow, I, I, it'll probably be up.
1: All right. That's fine.
0: Alright, Ken. God bless. God bless America. Everyone stay safe out there. And Ken, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Tommy. Alright, my man. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.